0: Our scripture reading this evening comes from the first letter of Peter, 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. Our preaching text this evening will be verses 9 and 10. 1 Peter, chapter 2, beginning at verse 4. Find that in page 1204 of your pew Bibles. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scriptures Behold, I'm lying, laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become a cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. This is our preaching text this evening. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Once you are not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The grass with us, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Who am I? You sure you want to know? If somebody told you that I was just your average, ordinary guy, not a care in the world, then somebody lied. These were the words of Peter Parker in the opening scene of the trailer, The Spider Man, which came in 2002. As a 12 year old boy back then, I was totally amazed by it. It was stunning. It was beautiful and it was fantastic. Peter Parker, he had a new identity of being the Spider Man. Peter, he had a new purpose to fight against evil and he had a new position to save the world. I wanted to be like Peter Parker. I longed to be like Spider-Man. But this evening, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Apostle Peter, he tells us a truth which is far more stunning, which is far more beautiful, which is far more fantastic, and which is far more amazing than being a Spider-Man. That we have a new identity, a new purpose and a new position in Christ Jesus. And this brings us to the theme of our sermon this evening. God gives us a new identity in Jesus Christ, along with a new purpose and a new position. God gives us a new identity in Jesus Christ, along with a new purpose and a new position. We'll see this truth under three points. A new identity, a new purpose, and a new position. Let us consider the first point of the sermon, our new identity in Christ Jesus. And we will be spending the majority of our time in this first point. In verse 9, Apostle Peter says, but you. You see, Peter is bringing out a strong contrast between unbelievers and believers. For the unbelievers Christ Jesus the scripture tells us is a stone of stumbling and he's a rock of offense. But for us who believe the triune God of the scriptures God gives us four identities four new identities in Christ Jesus that we are a chosen race, we are a royal priesthood, that we are a holy nation, and that we are a people for God's possession. Let us consider each of those four identities, that we are a chosen race. That's the first identity that God gives us in Christ Jesus. The word chosen, here, it comes from the same Greek word, which can also be translated as elect. In fact, if you see, go to verse, chapter 1, verse 1, Peter uses the same word there in the Greek and it is translated as elect. You see, Peter opens this letter by calling the Christians scattered throughout the region of Asia Minor as elect exiles. And here in chapter 2, he's expounding on the theme of election. In fact, he's drawing this from the Old Testament. To be specific, Isaiah chapter 43, verses 20 and 21. Listen to what God says. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the hostages. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. In the original context, God is comforting his people, Israel, even during the Babylonian exile that they are his chosen people, that people who are created for himself. And Apostle Peter is drawing this from Isaiah 43 and he's telling us that we are God's chosen people. God chose us Just like he chose the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And he wants us to be patient, just like the nation of Israel who were under the Babylonian oppression. In fact, you see in chapter 5, verse 13, Apostle Peter he calls Rome as Babylon. And this is a comforting news for all Christians, especially for the ones who are undergoing some. Persecution that God shows us. Let me illustrate. When you pick out your produce in a local grocery store, say for example in Aldi or Stack and Mantle, you would pick the best tomato, one which is nice red with no marks or soft spots. Likewise, you would pick the best bananas, one which is bright yellow, without black spots. And again, you would pick the best green peppers that one which is not soft or mushy. None of us here in our right mind would say, well, that tomato seems rotten. I'm going to make it, I'm going to take it and use it for my lunch. But praise be to God, this is not how God Chose his people back then, and this is not how God chooses his people now. He did not say, Well, this one is promising, more promising than the other one, so I will choose this one over the other. Our race, our gender, our, na- our national heritage, it makes no difference. God, He handpicked you, BS. Not that we deserve to be chosen as if we are the best tomato or the green pepper in the produce aisle. No, He chose us bruised and rotten as we are by nature simply because of His grace and simply because of His Son, Jesus Christ. Listen to what God tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. For He chose us in Him that is in Christ, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Christian, we are God's chosen people. We are His chosen race. And this gives us a living hope to be submissive to human authority and to endure persecution and suffering for being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And for some of us, it means that we endure and we are patient with our bad manager or maybe our supervisor at the office. Again, the manager is mean to us not because we are constantly late to work, not because we do a poor job at work, but because we follow Jesus, but because we are Christians. As Christians, we refuse to use false scales. As Christians, we do not manipulate or cheat our customers. And as Christians, we do not play fast and loose with the IRS. And if that's you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the scripture tells us, if you have your Bibles open, see chapter 2, verse 20, it tells us, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Again, flip a page over and see chapter 4, verse 16. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Brothers and sisters in Christ that we are the chosen people of God. Let us consider the second identity that God gives us in Christ Jesus, that we are a royal priesthood. Apostle Peter, again, he draws this concept from the Old Testament, especially, specifically, in Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, which God says to the children of Israel, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Again, what's the context God tells this people is that if you go back, you know that God sends the ten plagues against the Egyptians, destroys the Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea, He feeds his people, the Israelites, with the bread from above, the manna. He leads them to Mount Sinai, uh, the pillar of clouds during the day, and the pillar, pillar of fire during the night. And During this context, the Israelites are called a royal priesthood. Likewise, Apostle Peter, he tells us that we are a royal priesthood in Christ Jesus. Again, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this is a wonderful privilege that God bestows upon us. The sad part is none of us live up to that title. Let me explain what I mean. One of the primary duties of the priest is to protect the holiness or the purity of the place where he or she lives. Adam, as the first priest of mankind, he failed in his duty as a priest. You see, instead of protecting the garden and executing God's righteous judgment on the serpent, what he does, he takes side, he sides with the serpent and he loses his place in paradise. The children of Israel, likewise, instead of protecting God's holiness, Instead of promoting this purity in the land that they were living, the promised land, they followed their pagan neighbors and they became just like them. They all flunked their duties, and we all flunked it too. But praise God for his son. We have a faithful high priest. The scripture tells us Christ loves us and he has freed us from our sins by his blood and he has made us a kingdom and priest to his God and Father. Christ himself he bore our sins in in his body on the cross so that we may die to sin and live for righteousness and by his wounds we are healed. Again, we don't deserve this. We don't deserve this privilege of being a royal priesthood. But God is rich in mercy. He is rich in grace in Christ Jesus. He gives us this privilege. And now, as a royal priest, as people who have direct access to the throne room of God, Apostle Peter, he encourages us to be faithful to this privilege. But in this side of the redemptive history, he's not asking us to keep the tabernacle holy or the temple or not even the promised land holy. No. He wants us to keep our bodies holy and pure. He wants us to fight against sin. Again, if you have your Bibles open, see in verse chapter 2 verses 11 and 12, he tells us to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Which wage war against your soul, and to keep your conduct among Gentiles honorable. He wants us to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. That's verse five. Likewise, Apostle Paul in Romans chapter twelve he calls this as presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And brothers. This means war. A war against the passions of the flesh. A war against sensuality. And Again, some of us here might be stepping some, on some of your toes, but we don't need a smartphone with internet. Brother Praveen, are you serious? We are living in the 21st century. Are you serious that we don't need a smartphone with an internet? Let me remind you of what our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, he tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verses 29 and 30. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with this. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your old body be thrown into hell. And if your right, eye, right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than your old body go into hell. For some of us, that's our smartphone. And for others of us, it may be the unnecessary business trip with the opposite sex. And for others of us, it might be even the late night parties with your old bodies. Brothers, we are royal priesthood. We belong to Jesus Christ. The third identity that God gives us in Christ Jesus is that we are a holy nation. Just as Israel was a nation that has to be holy, a morally blameless nation, a nation that strives against sin and pursues to be like their God, Apostle Peter He tells us that we are a holy nation in Christ Jesus, a nation that has God as their ultimate governor and king. Let me give you an example. We know that America is rightly called as the melting pot of the world. You have the Dutch American, you have the Asian American, you have the uh, Hispanic or the African American, but in the end, what gives us this unity amongst diversity. It's our nationality that we are all Americans. But scripture tells us that we have a better, that we have a greater unity in Christ Jesus, that in Christ Jesus that we are a holy nation. And listen to what the heavens, the new heavens, in Revelation chapter 5 verse 9, what do Listen to what they sing in the heaven. Worthy are you to take the scroll, to open its seal, for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God. And they shall reign on earth. And because of Jesus Christ, every Christian, no matter where they are born, they have a dual citizenship. One in the country which they are born, another one is heaven. That we are a holy nation whose king is from above. And this makes us to live as heavenly citizens in our earthly vocations. Maybe a student, you may be a teacher, you may be a farmer, you may be an engineer, or you may be a busy stay-at-home mom, but we live as a holy nation before the face of Christ, holy God. The fourth identity that God gives us in Christ Jesus is that we are a people for God's possession. We are God's own special people. Peter, again, he draws this from the Old Testament, specifically Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 where God tells the people of Israel, You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 to 8, God tells us the reason why He chose the people of Israel. So it was not because you were more in number than any other people of people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your father and that he has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. That's the story of the people of Israel. And folks, we become God's people, not because a genetically modified spider, it bit us, we became super strong, and now because we are super strong, God chose us as stressed possession. Spider-Man, that's fantasy, that's a fiction, that's unreal. But brothers and sisters in the Lord, remember. The scripture tells us not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But why God made us this treasured possession? The answer is simple, but it is profound. I don't want you to take it as some kind of a cliche. He loves you. God loves you. How much did He love you? He loved you so much that He redeemed you not with perishable things such as gold or silver, but He redeemed you. He redeemed us with the precious blood of the Son Jesus Christ. And this, my friend, This is the reality. This is the truth. That you are God's own possession. That we are God's own possession. That we are his own special people. And now, having considered our privileges in Christ Jesus, let us consider our purpose in Christ Jesus. We all have heard the saying, with more power, more responsibility, but listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm chapter sixty-seven, verses one and two. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and cause His face to shine upon us, that Your way may be known on earth, Your saving power among all nations. The psalmist he prays, God. Bless us, be gracious to us. Why? So that they can have their best life now, so that they can live a happy, a comfortable life, a life free of trials now? No. So that they can make God's saving power, his salvation known to all nations. Brothers and sisters in Christ, remember the words of Isaiah chapter 43 verses 20 and 21. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals, the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I form for myself. Why? That they might declare my grace. And that's why I say to you, with your new identity in Christ Jesus, you have a new purpose in Christ. And What's your new purpose in Christ Jesus? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Brothers and sisters in Christ, what a joy it is to see God delivering his people in the hands of the Egyptians in the book of Exodus. What a joy it is to see God delivering His people, the Israelites, from the hands of the Babylonians in the book of Isaiah. But what great joy, and what great privilege it is to see and to know and to savor that God, He has delivered us from the bondage of Satan from the bondage of sin and from this fallen world. And we should give thanks to this Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of the light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. and He has transformed us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And therefore, let us proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And Brothers and sisters in Christ, let us not only do it with our mouths, but let us do it with our deeds, by our conduct. you ask me how, again, if you have your Bibles open, look at chapter 4, verse 3. God gives us that instruction. By not living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. That's our new purpose, by avoiding this and living for Christ. Let's consider the final point of the sermon, our new position in Christ Jesus. We look at verse 10, it tells us, once you are not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received Mercy. Once again, Apostle Peter is drawing this from the Old Testament. Specifically from the minor prophet Hosea chapter 2, verse 23 where God tells the people of Israel and I will have mercy on no mercy and I will say to not my people you are my people and he shall say you are my God. In Hosea, Israel is repudiated as God's people because of their sin. But God pledges, he makes a promise that he would have mercy upon them. And that he would form again this new people. Peter, he takes this Old Testament references. And he applies it directly to the church. A church which is mainly composed of Gentiles. Who once lived in darkness, and now they have wondrously become God's people. They have received God's mercy, and we have received God's mercy, and we are the living testimonies of this reality. Boys and girls, Have you ever submitted your work late to your teacher at school? Instead of losing some point for late submission, your teacher, he or she just warns you, and you still ended up getting an A in your assignment? And folks, have you ever been pulled over by a police officer for speeding, and you sure thought that you're going to get a ticket? But in the end? The officer, he chats with you and he lets you go. I experienced it this past December. Or maybe you lost your temper, you yelled at your spout at your spouse, and in that heated situation, your spouse, instead of yelling back at you, displaces remarkable patience and answers you awfully and gently. Those are sweet moments. Those are remarkable moments. But those mercies, they pale when it comes to God's mercy. You see, God, instead of sending us all to hell for our rebellion and failure, He kept us out completely. Why? Because of Christ Jesus, because of His work on the cross. But His mercy it never stopped there. Was that an end? No. He made us His people. He made us His objects of mercy. The steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. His mercies, they never come to an end. And praise God for our new position in Christ Jesus. And finally, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Who are we? We are a chosen race. Who are we? We are a royal priesthood. Who are we? We are a holy nation. Who are we? We are people of God's own possession. What's our purpose here on earth? That we may proclaim the praises of God, his mighty acts of redeeming us and transforming us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And what's our new position in Christ? That we are the objects, the recipients of God's great mercy. And to this great God who gives us a new identity, a new purpose, and a new position in Christ Jesus, To him be the glory, the honor, the power, and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we are amazed to know our new identity in Christ Jesus. We are ever grateful for those wonderful privileges that you have showered upon us. Help us to believe these truths. Help us to savor these truths. Help us to reflect these truths in our life. Use us for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray.